And thank you for joining us for this episode of Sustainability and Resilience. I'm Kate Cheney here with Brian Perkins. And we are here to talk about stories when humanity has encountered sustainability issues and risen to the challenge and to be resilient. Sounds good. Our topic today is the lionfish invasion. So, the greater area of the Western Atlantic, including the Gulf of Mexico and Caribbean Sea, is one of the most densely and diversely populated marine regions in the world. It's second to the Indo-Pacific is the most densely and um, the most diverse ecosystems. So, with like the Hmm. marine species. I didn't know that. Yeah, as I didn't either. I found that really interesting. So the back to the West Atlantic, the West Atlantic though, the reefs are um, home to over a thousand species of fish and fifty species of reef-building corals. Wow, that's a lot of species. Yeah, it's it's really dense. I know we have experienced snorkeling in Hawaii, and these waters are more dense and diverse than those waters so that's hard to imagine so yeah diverse out there that this yeah all those documentaries i just love falling asleep to (laughs) yeah coral (laughs) reef systems i don't know it's uh i just i guess i just really love tropical reef systems yeah me too so the part, part of what I love about these reef systems, what I was thinking about is like how complicated they are because you can just keep learning and learning about them. Over thousands of years, the complicated ecosystems in these areas have worked out quite the biodiverse balance, like emphasis on balance. And our fisheries, economies, and way of life are reliant on these ecosystems, meaning like these reef ecosystems, staying in balance. That also makes them more vulnerable, too, though. Yeah, yeah. With the introduction of new species, or invasive species especially, they it, it, it disrupts the entire system. And there's impacts like ripples going out from that one species for not only the whole reef, but then like people and our economies and food and way of life. So... Right, because those are so closely interconnected with each other. Yeah. So, lionfish, they're easily identified by their venomous spines, which is, if you are wondering what a lionfish looks like, it kind of has like a lion's mane built of spines with, with like fins attached to it. There's, they have stunning white and dark red stripes. Almost almost like a burgundy maroon stripe and pretty bright white, like a zebra. Yeah. I mean, zebra fish would have been maybe a better name than lionfish. I think there's already a zebra oh, fish. Oh, there is, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> maybe a tiger fish? <laughs> yeah, that would like be a good one. That is a good one. Liger fish. Liger fish. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It's kind of a confusing fish. <laughs> so the so there's a couple different kinds, I think 12 different kinds of lionfish in the world. But the one kind that we're talking about today that's the invasive kind is known as the red lionfish or I think the common uh, lionfish. And hmm. like I said, it's originally from the Indo-West Pacific and like where the Indian Ocean meets the Pacific Ocean. Okay. And it was first introduced to Florida in probably the 1980s. The lionfish, the red lionfish. Wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah, so it somehow found its way halfway across the world, thereabouts. Can blame those hobbyist fish tank specialists, man. That's a that's a pretty. I think that's a pretty global problem, especially in tropical areas. People releasing their fish mm-hmm. uh, that might not be native or part of that ecosystem. It's not exactly clear how the lionfish traveled to the other side of the world, but people um, 
They think it might be a mix of ballast water on shipping containers where when you load the ship up, you have to intake water. And when you Mm. offload it, you spill that water out. Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe the other way, but so fish, these lionfish actually get sucked up into the boats and then get like shipped with the goods. Oh, so like stowaways. Yeah, yeah. So they're hitching a ride. Um, anyway, so that that the that's called ballast water, the water in the ships. So um, it's that and aquarium enthusiasts releasing unwanted fish and also something i found very interesting there was a beachside aquarium that got damaged in 1992 from hurricane andrew and there was a lionfish exhibit uh there was a lionfish exhibit in this aquarium and when the hurricane uh hit the like beachside aquarium it it released like all of i don't remember how many fish but it released all the population of the uh, lionfish from their aquarium into the Atlantic and um, they've done since then genetic testing on like the lionfish population and they've actually found like I don't know DNA tracing back to this original aquarium lionfish lionfish population yeah so my great 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 grandpappy lionfish came from that one aquarium it's like finding Nemo or like finding dory in real life (laughs) yeah and then like fast forward 10 generations (laughs) wow yeah i mean i thought that was kind of fun in a way so lionfish are kind of a super fish in my opinion now super fish that's my opinion (laughs) Wow, so, like, they can swim faster than a speeding bullet? <laughs> like, flying in the air like Superman? Well, not quite in the way that they have superhero powers, but that, compared to other fish, they can really rapidly reproduce and grow to, like, the age of reproduction quickly. And also have a really, like, broad range of habitats that they can live in, so, like, you can't really kill them and they reproduce quickly and then um they're also known as like some of the most voracious eaters as fit in the fish world Hmm. and so they eat a really large amount of and variety of fish so they'll eat anything and they eat a lot of it and they reproduce really quickly and they can live pretty much anywhere i mean subtropical and tropical but salinity and other temperature doesn't have as much of a in fact temperature is one of the only things that holds them back interesting yeah so they're super fish because they're survivors i guess it's really what what i'd call like a r value fish you know like they have a high growth rate they don't really have any sort of regard for like carrying capacity yeah they just reproduce and eat as much as they can until they crash. Yes, and on that note, they can also be um, what's can, can, cannibals? Is that the right word? They can eat each other. Yeah, they eat each other. So the big ones will eat the the little ones. Like there's you know there's no <laughs> like maternal fish raising. The larvae wow. like hatch and they just or the eggs hatch. I mean, and the fish just like is fend for itself so actually a lot of them do get eaten by other lionfishes so even if they did eat all the other food in the area they could still survive eating each other yeah that's a hard that's a hard question to answer but like theoretically yes wow that's why i think they're like i think ironically named the sustainable seafood because they're like so invasive, it's an ecological problem mm-hmm. and economic problem. But I mean, they're not, we can't really kill them and they're not going to like overeat and starve themselves. So hmm. who knows? Wow, just keep exponentially increasing their numbers. A sea full of lionfish. Wow. Yeah. They're pretty funny-looking fish, too. They don't seem like they would be the super fish. They kind of seem like um, regal, and, like, all the extra fins doesn't really, like, you know, you think, like, sharks being, like, sleek design, (laughs) like super fish, and Mm -hmm. these fish just kind of, like, float around eating anything. 
anyway. like vacuum cleaners. Yeah. I was thinking if they went like super invasive in your scuba or snorkeling and you saw them, it would look kind of like a ball pit of like at McDonald's play jungle gyms. <laughs> Except full of poisonous but, spines. But, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Get me out of there. That's what I'm saying. I know. It's it was like a it was a thought, you know, but it was just like to describe what it would look like because they just kind of like sit and hang out like little puffballs. Wow. Yeah. Imagine getting swarmed by them while you just scuba yeah. snorkeling. Yeah, I have some information here about what like what it's like. It's um, you get mostly people get stung on their hands who like are scuba diving and spearfishing for them and their venom won't kill you but it really makes your hands swell up or wherever you get stung swell up and the venom um like courses for a couple hours of like super intense pain and some people have taken like three months to fully recover from the venom yeah, I remember you showing me a picture of that. The person's hands swelled up like a grapefruit. Yeah, they had it in vinegar. I think you pretty much treat the wounds like any other venomous sting in the ocean. But like YouTube videos that I watched, people were like, well, I've been stung by jellyfish before. And this is way worse. Like, hands down. Apparently, lionfish... Really avoid them if you're in the water and don't have protection. And if you are, like, going out to hunt them, I was reading about all the different types of protections, your personal protection gear. Yeah, I'm sure you'd have to wear some sort of, like, chain mail or something. Yeah, it's, like, um, special gloves and tools to grab them with. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. They're Once you cook them, though, the spine, the venom is not poisonous anymore. Which I found very interesting. Hmm. I don't know why. So you can have, like, f- whole roast lionfish. Yeah. I was thinking, like, a shish kebab, the spines, you could just, like, <laughs> stab the meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make a pair of chopsticks out of them. Yeah, right. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so... It takes about a year for a lionfish to mature, spawning 30,000 eggs every week. And about two million a year. Wow. One fish. And then, like, from when it's born or, like, hatches, a year later, it's reproducing two million eggs a year. I mean, that's a lot of siblings. Thousands every day. Almost 10,000 or so. I remember my parents having, like, five or six siblings or something, but... 30,000 siblings? Wow. In a week? I mean, a lot of fish, you know, of that, the eggs and stuff, won't make it to adulthood, but it's still a lot of little... I mean, like, I just can't even fathom how many that is. So, um, it's a a little hard to wrap your mind around. Scientists estimate estimate that uh, lionfish populations are about 17 times denser in the... West Atlantic areas that they've invaded compared to their native habitat. And they're also bigger on average in the West Atlantic, like 18 inches, I think, for the average adult or 18. Yeah, something like that. And then in the Indo-Pacific, it's more like 14 inches on average for an adult lionfish. So is that because they can just grow so unchecked? I think, yeah, I think so. There's... A lot more food because uh, the prey, the little fishes in the Caribbean don't recognize lionfish as a uh, a thing that's going to eat it. Mm. Yeah. So they haven't evolved together, so they don't have any sort of defense against them. Yeah, that's totally right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're getting kind of fat. And they're... I'd say. Yeah, and their population. Their population is expanding, um, you know, really rapidly as there's no predators to keep the population in check. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that's just (laughs) totally unheard of. Um, when hunting, they corner prey using their large fins and then they use their (laughs) frick. 
then they use their quick (laughs) reflexes to swallow their prey whole. So they'll just like slowly float up to a fish and then just bam, eat it super quick in one piece. And a single line food and a single line fish can um, reduce the the biomass and amount of fishes on a reef substantially eating up to 20 fish in 30 minutes which is about and also about half of their body size in just 30 minutes what do they do with all of that i mean it's like a vacuum cleaner fish have they got class <laughs> fins <laughs> <laughs> well i mean they're like they're a super fish i don't know i just uh they're particularly adept at eating Baby juvenile fishes and uh, herbivore fish. So, mm. um, they're just really great eaters and wow. reproducers. That has like pretty big comp- implications, I imagine, for generational growth rates of other fish, right? Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. It so the commercially important species of fish that are uh, babies in these reef structures um, use the reefs as protection um, until they become older, mature fish that go out into the open ocean. These are fishes like tuna, where they spend time in the reef growing up. They don't just like go out into the open ocean. And so they'll hang out until they're large enough. And when they get eaten, like the, the juvenile populations are reduced, there's a delay, but it does impact the population of the open ocean fisheries, which are the most economically important to our way of life and economy. Um, so these fish it's really important to keep the reefs healthy so that the fish have a home, like the baby fish have a home so that they can grow up to be big, yummy fish. <laughs> so I imagine these lionfish coming and invading these reefs are creating huge generational gaps. Yeah. And it's, you know, if they first came to the area in the 80s this is like a really pretty recent invasion and mm-hmm. i think this like the lionfish invasion movement to like growing awareness of this topic has really just been so recent so like in human terms like in the last like maybe 30 years mm-hmm. and so in fish years you know that's that is like multi-generational for people as well as fish, you know? Yeah. Like the grandma fish that are out there in the open ocean right now need to be replaced, but they're, they, they won't be at, at this rate. That's a little depressing and maybe a little extreme. So, (laughs) but that's the root of the problem. Yeah, I mean, For I would fisheries. say it could be approaching a threshold, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, there's lots of nooks and crannies in the reefs to <laughs> hang you out gotta in. got to be a smart fish to survive these days. Yeah. You know, and the herbivore fish that I talked about, too, that they the lionfish like to eat, mm-hmm. they're also really important for keeping the algae off the corals, which the corals grow and make the structure for the little baby fish to live in. Yeah. And then the herbivore fish spend like their whole life in the reef usually and they just hang out and eat algae off of the corals because algae will smother the corals otherwise so if these herbivore fish are being eaten at a higher rate than the other fish then the algae can grow without um without something to eat it so i wonder if that's part of the cause of these articles I've been reading of algae just totally covering these corals and smothering them pretty much. Yeah. I think it's a global problem in a lot of places uh, because of nutrient levels and other... Probably also warmer waters during the year. I mean, the populations of herbivore fish are also important. These lionfish, you know, they're drastically changing the 
food chain. They're disrupting the entire marine ecosystem altogether. And as the as the food chains are disruptive, or as the food chains are disrupted, declining densities of fish and overall diversity of fish, different kinds of fish, are declining. And there's no, like we were talking about, there's no apparent limit to the lionfish population um, other than water temperature. And lionfish Hmm. are, they are posing a huge threat to the fish stocks of the Western Atlantic Ocean. That's why they are a sustainability issue. You say water temperature is a limiting factor for their populations. Is it like warmer temperatures or colder temperatures? I imagine the like Indo-Pacific areas that they come from, fairly warm, right? Yes, tropical and partially subtropical. I think subtropical starts at the 20 degrees on the Cancer line, Cancer Tropic of Cancer. Tropic of Cancer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thanks. I was trying to remember that. So I'm trying to imagine the globe. And yeah, so lionfish and their invasive habitat, because that's what I was reading about, have uh, not gone more north than North Carolina in Mm -hmm. the United States. And they have not gone more south than, I think, Venezuela, like Aruba. So the very top of South America. Interesting. Yeah. But they can, I was reading that they can also go pretty deep though, right? So. Yeah. Yes, they're known to be. too limiting, right? Yeah, they're known for how deep they can go. Uh, As as a species, they can really, like, their habitat is super broad. They can live at the surface or they can live like 300 feet down. Or more. I think I read even a thousand feet. They found them in some like um, Bermuda. They found them a thousand feet deep. Wow. I think. So, wait. Would you ask? I had. Some... Oh, that was just my oh. question. Is you yeah, know, how, because how deep they, are. they oh, can the also live so deep. There. It's wouldn't it be colder down there? I mean. Yeah. That's a great unless question. there's like thermoclines keeping the water temperature fairly stable. Yeah, I don't think we know like quite enough about those deep sea reefs and things. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the data we have pretty about pretty unexplored, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty unexplored. If a lot of the, a lot of the data I came across for lionfish are from near shore reef systems. Okay. Yeah, and I'll talk a little later about getting them out of the well or finding them where they are in the deep sea areas Mm -hmm. because it's part of the problem of how to get rid of them they're so deep humans can't dive that deep humans dive you know 100 feet maybe it's about i imagine (laughs) yeah i imagine if you got rid of all the lionfish in the reef there would still be a threat of coming back because of such dense populations in the deeper waters yeah. So you won't be able to really get rid of them until you address the deeper water problem too, right? Yeah, I bet there's quite a large stock of lionfish deep in the waters of the West Atlantic. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Wow. So why is it called the ultimate sustainable seafood? When it's one of the worst invasive species... We've seen yet. That's a really good question. I was asking the same thing. And it's loosely coined this ultimate sustainable seafood. Key term on loosely. That was more of a, <laughs> my creative writing choice, but <laughs> bear with me. All right. So tell me more. Lionfish are the ultimate sustainable seafood because they're an invasive species. And we're just, we're trying to reduce their population. Is it because no matter what we do, we could barely make a dent in them? Yeah, I think we could probably make a dent. We are actively making a dent, but I don't think we'll ever run out of lionfish. Okay. 
we think we could never over harvest. So I was reading the, you know, the Monterey Bay Seafood Watch, like the little cards that you look at to see if seafood, certain types of fish are better or worse with like mercury or sustainable, like are they endangered? Uh, So the Monterey uh, Bay Aquarium listed lionfish as one of the best choice sustainable seafoods to eat. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, don't take their word for it, though. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure take, they know no, what they're talking no, about. No, take their word for it and eat the lionfish. But <laughs> yeah, I look forward to trying it out. So I was curious. I've never tried it. It's a light white, flaky meat, similar to snapper, and has a relatively neutral flavor. I like snapper. Yeah, so people online wrote it's a lot better than tilapia. <laughs> That's <laughs> good news. <laughs> I mean, just as like fish to feed the masses. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you can prepare it anyway. You know, let's talk about how to eat it here for a second. Any way you prefer to cook your fish: grill, bake, saute. Um, chefs say it's very versatile i bet it'd be really good with like a cornmeal batter deep fried like a catfish Ooh, yeah like fish and chips Mm -hmm. i was watching some youtube some hush puppies yes i highly recommend looking at recipes online and also videos on youtube because that food looks delicious lionfish tacos was something that grabbed my eye oh yeah and where it's like not breaded it's just I think lightly sauteed, but there's... I mean, they do come with their own skewers, right? <laughs> lionfish kebab? Yeah, that's the thing, is that, like, <laughs> the chefs have a lot of fun with it, too, because you can make, like, really, like, shocking displays. Like, if you leave, if you leave like, the fish intact, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, the face on it and the spines on it, it comes out looking like kind of an alien dish. I don't know. It looks, looks cool in a unusual way. Yeah, I imagine it'd be something like you'd see in one of those sci-fi shows. <laughs> like the weird planet where they go and try the out the new the alien food. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I spoke briefly about mercury levels and this is something called bioaccumulation in fish, which like snapper and I think like swordfish and tuna they're fish that eat lots of other fishes, similar to the lionfish. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I stopped eating tuna. Mm, mercury levels? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's something to be aware of. You know, I think that's not a topic so much for today, except for the lionfish have record low mercury levels, which is surprising because they eat so many fish. Was it because maybe they're eating the young fish who aren't able to accumulate more mercury levels? That is just it. In a study in Florida, or they, you were totally right that they have less mercury because they eat the juvenile fish and also herbivore fish who Mm. aren't eating other little fishes. Mm -hmm. So the, the algae that they eat doesn't have bioaccumulation of heavy metals or toxins to worry about. So much. And uh, so this study, a study in Florida found that there is actually 13 times less mercury in lionfish than grouper, about three and a half times less than yellowfin tuna. Wow. From, from the same area. Yeah. Yeah. So I think substantial. This might be my new favorite fish to eat. Well, it's kind of a super <laughs> fish in a weird, I don't know how I feel about it. Okay. So lionfish is considered also healthy for humans to consume beyond the reduced mercury levels. Hmm. It actually has high levels of good cholesterol and very low levels of bad cholesterol, which is those heart-healthy omega-3s and uh, those bad omega-6s, I think, about the omegas. So... Hmm. Yeah, it's a it has it is like nutritionally good for us. It's 
bioaccumulation wise with mercury and seafood it's good for it's like one of the best choices and it, we're not going to over harvest it like we are maybe the tuna we you know there's we eat a lot of tuna as society so. i wonder if it could be used like if it has a oily organ like cod liver or something for like that those omega 3s oh interesting like fish oil Yes. capsules or something oh, i wonder if they'd be a boon for pharmaceutical companies uh, that'd, that'd be cool i know i love this so that's a great idea there something okay so maybe i could see there being a slight problem with that because they're they're caught with a spear well, like a spear fisherman and usually scuba gear and they're almost never caught with like a hook and a line or traditional like netting techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the netting techniques that could capture them are actually not so much allowed because of the how you could catch other fish. Yeah, like how much fish you could catch at one time. So hunting lionfish is actually really labor intensive, which is kind of a downside to using it as you know a source, a new source of uh, food and other value adding products. Hmm. And there's there's um i'm sure someone could come up with a way to like harvest them in mass yeah as of right now there's no large scale commercial uh like vessels scooping up like lots of lionfish at one time it's all people uh, like fishermen going out and harvesting bags full like individually and individually stab stabbing the fish and then putting it into a um a container that they carry alongside of them with their scuba gear and then they fill their bag or container up i think it's like because their spines can get you i think you have to put them in like more of a bucket type situation like a tube mm-hmm. a large tube you know um and then and then that's the then restaurants and whatnot get get those small batches of lionfish. That's job creation, if you ask me. That's, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a really good point to make. I'm glad you say that because I um, wanted to point out that how like how much like job creation the the lionfish could actually create because it's so. Because it's so labor intensive, you know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fishermen would have jobs. We'd never run out of lionfish. Yeah, <laughs> so. I might become a lionfish hunter if I need to find a job someday. I know. I would love the warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> you know me; I love tropical and subtropical. Yeah. Uh, so, um, most like so, like I was saying, most. Most fishermen right now actually just hunt lionfish to supplement their income. There are some fishermen, as demand goes up and price goes up, yeah, uh, that they're able to do more than just supplement of their income, like become lionfish hunters. But it's mm-hmm. kind of a burgeoning reality. Like it's just now, like restaurants are just now catching on to it. Um, Two words. Lionfish caviar. How's that? Oh, man, there's probably so much of it, right? Yeah. Why not, huh? You could have, like, a lionfish caviar farm. Well, you probably won't need to farm them. There's enough. Never mind. <laughs> there's enough out there. I bet. I wonder what their egg sacs look like. Yeah, I didn't they look like... it up. I would imagine they're tiny because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. But that just might make a great sauce. <laughs> Yeah, just put them on a cracker. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously I don't eat caviar very often. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so general spearfishing and hunting the lionfish is is making a difference right now in Florida, North Carolina, like the islands of the Caribbean Sea, and I mean like the whole West Atlantic, um, like grassroots communities are getting together mm-hmm. and they're identifying there's lionfish invasion and then they're um 
not only, you know, creating, they're not only like creating the, the want to eat the, to get the lionfish out of the water and eat them, but, um, they're also creating community events like lionfish derbies where we've heard of this, like Roy roundups Mm, in Hawaii. There's an invasive species called the Roy. It's a little similar to lionfish. Um, not quite as much of a super fish, (laughs) but it, uh, we have roundups where you, the community gets together and from like some time to sundown, however many fish you can catch of that certain species, like you get an award at the end. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, a lot of communities have lionfish derbies where divers compete to catch the most. And these events, uh, you know, they're happening all over in like small towns and coastal communities and they're raising public awareness. You know, they're offering like the cuisine of lionfish to different people. Like as they get, as lionfish gets caught and people are there to celebrate the derby. There's also chefs and restaurants and food trucks. Like they're making dishes with lionfish. And a lot of people will go to these events and try lionfish for the first time and be like, well, I like it. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a recent fish. Like we're just not culturally used to eating this fish. Right. I mean... What better way to follow up a lionfish derby than a lionfish cook-off, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll have lionfish for the whole town. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lionfish tacos. I'm That's what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> it's a little bit of lime juice on top. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Sounds so good. Yeah, so something else these derbies do that I personally love is they help scientists gather information and samples to further analyze the species. So, I mean, scientists are kind of like just as freaked out as the rest of the world. Like this is happening. Well, the rest of the region, like it's happening so fast that they need to understand the reproduction, like phases and like life cycle of the fish right the mercury levels of the fish you know things are really important to study with this fish and um you know it's like two fish one spear (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) you know you can get food you get the fish out of the water and you get to test you know take samples from your scientific uh studies yeah i can imagine i mean in terms of the timeline it took for these ecosystems to develop oh thousands the of invasion years. is yeah, just a decades. blink of an eye oh it is a blink of an eye it's like less than one percent of probably the whole time frame that these yeah. reefs developed over so yeah scientists are i think the term is like trying to catch up or <laughs> so scrambling they're, they're, scrambling, they're <laughs> scrambling so we're in this together as society and this method of population control actually works really well for near shore, more shallow reefs. Hmm. You know, it's like humans are the new predator. We're recognizing that these lionfish are a pretty good option to eat. And we're making a difference near shore. Now this brings us to what we were talking about before. Thousand feet deep. What are we going to do? There's lionfish down there. Yeah, I mean, I think if the lionfish had to have any sort of predator, humans are probably one of the best choices. I mean... Can't train dogs. <laughs> right, but out of anything, like, our ability to be ingenious in our oh, solutions, yes. Yes. I think really makes us probably one of the top predators for this species. Yeah, I'd say so. I think we're totally capable of outsmarting this fish, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Or out-eating it. Or out-eating it. <laughs> like, out-consuming it. <laughs> yeah. So... Okay, so I want to tell you a story of how I first heard of this whole topic. So this, I did not, I did not know about the lionfish invasion until I think just a few years ago. No, a few months ago. <laughs> Time has gone by fast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad, uh, he went to a. Uh, he went to a convention. In, for the tech industry and he brought me home a pamphlet from a organization called Robots in the Service of Environment of, of the Environment 
Okay. Yeah. Robots, and, huh? Yeah, here I have the pamphlet here. And it says, Stop the Lionfish Invasion. Oh, like, they're oh. like Lionfish Terminators. Yes, yes. And I later found videos of them on YouTube, and I did some researching about what they're doing. And I I don't think I realized the importance of, like, robotics in conservation in general but then also specifically with the lionfish you know it's like oh cool so the robots scoop like going around scooping up uh lionfish Mm -hmm. you know but then when i found out how important it is to capture these fish at up to a thousand feet deep yeah these we can build robots to go where humans can't easily go they identify so they like submarine down super deep and then they identify a lionfish they zap it with electricity and stun it and then they use like a a vacuum type pump thing to like suck it into a a tube like basket Hmm. (laughs) i guess that's how to describe it it's a little it's a little hard to describe wow yeah so robots in the service of the environment it it's pretty interesting. Uh, they So I, I researched this company. And in 2015, on a diving trip to Bermuda, the founders came face-to-face with the lionfish and saw the devastating uh, reduction to the diversity and number of fish on the reefs and uh, formed this idea over, like, the idea for the lionfish population control over sushi in a beer. <laughs> How all great ideas are formed. <laughs> I thought that was like, <laughs> right? I thought it was really funny because when you and I were talking about this episode topic, we were eating sushi <laughs> and possibly having a beer. <laughs> I think you were having a beer. I think I was having a beer. I was having tea. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, was, I was eating some seafood and maybe needing some relaxation. It was a great meal. And we joked about like in however many years maybe we're just gonna have like lionfish tacos and lionfish and chips and lionfish sashimi and like instead of all the different varieties of like octopus and eel and tuna and Mm -hmm. salmon we're just gonna have lionfish (laughs) 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 like our kids as kids are just gonna like open the menu and be like do i want lionfish or do i want lionfish (laughs) hey it's in the way you prepare it it really is it's a versatile fish I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they designed this robot specifically for these really deep, like unchecked populations that are hmm. continuing to expand unchecked, like no predators. Wow. So, an impo- so I thought this robot was pretty, pretty interesting. You know, it's really deployable in a lot of different areas and, they say that it's economically self-sustaining as the de- the market demand for lionfish continues to rise. So that's interesting. Yeah, you could like have a fleet of robots going down into the ocean and collecting a, a food source or an oil source, or I even read leather leather can be made from their skin. I didn't read very much about it. Oh, cool. Yeah, but so you could use... I mean, I'm sure the venom could be used for something. I would love to have, like, a pair of lionfish leather jeans. (gasps) They would be, like... Wouldn't that be so cool? Yeah. I mean, like, again, they'd be, like, zebra stripes. Like a lionfish suit. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have a type of skin that... I don't know much about it, but I thought it was pretty cool. I like your Omega-3 idea. breathable, water resistant, doesn't wrinkle easy. I'm just thinking about, like, chicken and, like, ostrich, how it, like, where, like the bumps on it. Mm-hmm. And I have, like, spine bumps. I don't know. Uh, maybe sustainable fashion. Maybe you could walk around with the spine still on you. Like, oh, yes, yes. On your shoulder pads or something. <laughs> Just don't poke your eye out. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, don't sit in a <laughs> or crowded hug subway. people. Yeah. Just, if you want to really be Really good for personal space. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> so, what can you, Brian, 
and you listeners do to help control the lionfish population in the West Atlantic. Yes, please tell me what I can do. (laughs) So first things first, spread the word because the more that we're able to share knowledge and create awareness by maybe articles or conversations with others, you know, more people that know, the more difference, the more of a difference we can make. Increase perception, illuminate yeah. the mind, can work together. Yes. All yes. Right. I mean, it really, like, you just, you don't know what you don't know until exactly. you Exactly. Know. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know until you brought this up. Yeah. Another thing you can do is eat lionfish. Now, we are on the wrong coast for that, but if you are on the east coast or thereabouts... Try to find it on a menu near you. You can go online and look. There's lists of restaurants um, through organizations that are fighting this lionfish invasion. And they will tell you in all the different states and towns that the restaurants are located where you can find it. If a restaurant near you doesn't carry it but could, you can always ask. Demand. Demand it, possibly. Demand yes. it from so, your fish markets and try, your restaurants. Yes, I want to try lionfish. Get it in here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can also donate your time or money to lionfish uh, management and conservation organizations. There's a bunch of organizations working together, and there's endless volunteer opportunities. Well, on that note, too, if you snorkel or dive, you can always get your own equipment to catch the lionfish. Side note. Become a lionfish startup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, side note. Make sure that you're comfortable with your diving skills and have the right, you know, safety. Yes, make sure you're a certified diver before you start trying this stuff. Yeah, the line, I mean, with the venom and everything, too, but diving safety-wise. And also, it's important to educate yourself on local regulations on lionfish hunting because uh, everywhere is a little different. So, yeah, you know, but it's something you can do if you're a diver, uh, like a spear fisherman. You can uh, have fun, help the environment, and possibly make some money on the side. But if you don't dive, then you can always just eat it. (laughs) Yeah. And also, you're kind of saving the world. Yeah. One little fish at a time. It's a a, a problem that we all need to be aware of because it could have such long-term impacts. But we have an opportunity, like, right now to really grow this conservation effort and economic, like, system like lionfish could create a whole economy of their own yes right now it's a grassroots effort but pretty soon it could be very mainstream yeah i mean to me it seems like it has a lot of commercial uh, viability yeah i don't know if that's an economic viability (laughs) anyway so i just wanted to leave you with this that if only more of the world's problems tasted so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess I have something else to talk about, too. So <laughs> there is also, in this vein, I was really interested in, um, like, what the definition of a sustainable seafood is. Mm-hmm. You know, is it species that, you know, have a high enough reproduction rate to, like, maintain their numbers at, like, the, at the rate that humans are needing to eat them or use them? And I'm beginning to think that as human, you know, human population grows and then our demand, demand grows. of food grows, that possibly... 
Like only like, or that these, and okay. Also as the fisheries decline because of like super complex problems that um, maybe the invasive species are actually going to become the only sustainable seafood. Yes. That makes a lot of sense because they're probably going to be around in greater number than the fish that are native. And they're also displacing those native species. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody about the lionfish invasion and they brought up the purple sea urchin invasion on the West coast of California and Oregon. Mm hmm. I heard about that. Yeah, and sea urchins can also be a food source, and you can you can harvest them from the floor of the ocean. They're invasive because they're eating the kelp forests, which are the structure like a reef like structure for the that coast. So right, they're yeah essentially home to the whole biodiversity of that ecosystem. Yeah. It's really important for oxygen production, too. Yeah. Uh, and nutrient production. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I don't know, just some food for thought. If you um, are listeners, if you have any uh, ideas on what sustainable f- seafood is or have heard interesting stories about how to use the lionfish or other invasive marine species for economic gain and food or other products, write us and let us know. Yes, please. We're always interested in finding out more information because you don't know what you don't know. You truly don't. Until you do. do. (laughs) (laughs) So you can email us at sustainabilityandresilience.com at gmail.com and you can also find us at professionalsustainabilityservices.com check us out on instagram and facebook and if you liked this episode and you want to stay tuned for more please rate us download and subscribe we also have a patreon page and if you'd like to be a supporter of our show you can donate there. We appreciate your donations that help us create this podcast and continue continue uh, trying to make the world a little bit more sustainable and open this dialogue up. So Yes, we're doing this for you guys and for our personal entertainment. But I love learning. really for you. I love learning about these topics. And we can't do it without you. I'm so excited. So thank you for your support. Thank you very much. We really couldn't do it without you. Stay tuned for more. See you next month. See you next month.